0: being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan
1: Allen.
2: What a
0: grab. That's what I'm talking about.
2: Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen.
1: Golly! Welcome all to episode 2 of the Thunder Down Under, a Chargers podcast. I'm your host back again, Andy Prophet, And what an incredible week for the three of us. Guys out there, we have we have been nothing short of blown away by the viewership, the feedback, the support and cheers from all around the globe. So a big shout out to all that have followed, commented on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, and of course, supported us through Bolts from the Blue. We thank you deeply. A uh, quick hello to my dear friends. Joining me as always, Jack in Adelaide. How are you fresh off a little getaway? I hope it cleared your mind nicely to reset into draft week.
0: <laughs> it did indeed, yes. I've had a lovely time down in Hobart with my fiance Beck. Tasted plenty of wine, uh, got a chance to sort of have a have a swim in the in the chilly April Tasmanian Sea, um, but ready and raring to go, not only for Term Two, but more importantly, definitely for this podcast.
2: Can't Beautiful, wait.
1: good to hear, man. Awesome stuff, Alistair. Good day to you, sir. Uh,
2: good day to you, Andy. Tell... We got you this week on your yeah, internet, yeah, mate.
1: We're back, we're back on board. Hopefully for <laughs> the uh, hopefully a stayer this week. Uh, I can tell by what lies ahead on the show that you're bursting at the seams with excitement at this time of year, no doubt. So it's how, how have you been reining it in?
2: It's hard. My, my fiance would, would tell you I've been fidgety. It's probably my favorite non-Christmas week of the year for all NFL <laughs> chargers, diehards. It's one of those weeks where Friday comes around and you just say, hmm, got a bit of a scratchy throat. Uh, think I might not rock up to work today. At least that's my plan. I hope no bosses are listening, but uh, yeah, I could could not be more excited. It's the culmination of months of just thinking about who, which of these prospects could be lined up with our team. And for the Americans listening, I mean, you've been following these these guys in college for years, some of them. So I can't even imagine the excitement levels and I can't wait to break it down with you both.
1: Yeah, well, as, as you all will see later on, uh With a special segment, Uh, Lloydie definitely, Alistair definitely jumps in uh, on the draft research a lot more than the two of us, but we love it, no no less. Um, A quick note uh, before we sink our teeth in today's show, guys, uh, a quick reminder that we are now available on all audio platforms, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. Uh, If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at TDU underscore charges and on the YouTube If you like the video, give us a like and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you're notified when we release more shows. Uh, Guys, we're a little over two days out from the draft at this point in time, so uh, we thought maybe we'll talk about the draft. How about that? Um, Today is the TDU's 2022 NFL pre-draft conversation uh, through the lens of past, present and future. The past will look at Tom Telesco's history as GM at this time of year. Uh, The present will consider the Chargers' current state of roster and any holes that could be filled in this coming draft. And the future, as I said, a special feature from our very own tape guy, Alistair's one and done (laughs) first round mock draft. So uh, strap yourselves in for a great show, guys. Um, We uh, can't get... We can't wait to get underway. So let's get the past underway uh, with a game. Hit it, Jack.
2: I mean, you never really know.
0: Guys, I don't really know. You know we're just trying to use every avenue we can use right now, to, guys. I don't really know. I feel good with where we are, with the amount of players we have in that area. We should be in pretty good shape, guys. I don't really
2: know. Just kind of remind yourself that we're not, like, infallible as far as talent evaluators. I mean, you bet, guys. I don't really know. I mean, just it'd be nice if, like, four quarterbacks went in the top 15.
0: Guys, I don't really know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Guess that Telesco draft pick. Uh, each of us will provide clues to the other two as a who am I type featuring past draft picks selected by Tom Telesco. So, Jack, if you want to kick us off, um, let's jump in.
2: Hey, before we start, I just want to be on, to clear on the rules. If, I th- if we think we know the answer, what, what do we do? Oh, we got a buzzer yeah. or something? Oh we, geez, just sh- yeah, we just. Yeah, we shout out yeah, our, our, our name. name. All right,
1: tape,
0: tape guy will be fine from you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, uh, if and that intro is extra special because all those sound bites were taken from Tom Telesco's press conference earlier today. Uh, I just don't know. All right. First up, I went to university at Florida International.
2: Hmm.
0: I played forty-seven games for the Chargers. I had a career, two sacks. <laughs> I'm 6'3", 260 pounds. Andy. My high school Andy. was... Oh. Yes, Andy. Turek Williams. Oh! oh. Dude. oh. Dude, absolutely <laughs> <ya>. smashed that. <laughs> yeah,
2: Someone's yeah. been what? doing some research. Someone's been doing a bit <laughs> of cheating art. prep I'll, before I'll the cup
1: I'll 1-0 over Alistair any day.
0: Well done! Uh, Yeah, is this brain incredible? Incredible! And a couple of other stats for you: only forty solo tackles, one recorded forced fumble. He was picked in the sixth round with pick one hundred and seventy-nine, and he was drafted as a defensive end.
2: Well done, Andrew Scott Prophet. Well done. One point to Andy. All right, my turn. Who am I? I was born on the fifth of September, nineteen ninety-six, in Apple Valley, Minnesota. At Apple Valley High School, I played basketball on the same team as Tyus Jones, now Minnesota Timberwolf, and my team won a state championship in 2013. I was also a two-year starter on the high school football team. In college, I played 10 games as a reserve freshman, and after my sophomore campaign, I was named to the second team, All Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference in my position. In the process, I was voted the team's most improved player. As a junior in college, I started all 12 games for my team, the Cougars, and was also an academic all-conference performer. In my senior year, I finished third in the voting for the Gene Upshaw Award and was named first-team Division II All-American by the Associated Press. At the NFL Combine, I managed a 33.5-inch broad jump, 7.61-second three-cone drill, and put up 16 reps on the bench press. NFL.com's Lancia line described me as a player with day three draft potential, but that the jump in competition made me a likely practice squad candidate early on. Jack. I was Go, go Jack. It's, it's not Easton Stick, is it? It is not Eastern Stick. Oh. So now Andy gets to listen to the rest of the clues oh, with out. no pressure oh, whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh. I was the first player from my college to attend the NFL Combine. Before the draft, I said this about myself. I like to finish blocks, play until the whistle, hit the other oh. team in the mouth. I'm only the second football player ever drafted from my college, the first being New Orleans punter Brian Hansen in the ninth round in 1984. In the 2019 draft, I was selected in the third round at pick 91 overall. I am not very good. I oh. am.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Jerry Tillery?
2: Uh oh. Oh, Jack. Trey Pipkins. It is absolutely (laughs) Trey Pipkins. So, no winners there, but there is a bonus point. There is a bonus point up for grabs. Can either of you remember the name of the college you played for? Uh, Sioux Falls. Yes, Um, it is Sioux Falls. Falls. Very nice. All righty. On to you, Andy.
1: All righty. Andy, indeed. Where are we? Sorry, fellas. Who am I? (laughs) <laughs> I played high school football at Glades Central High School in Bell Glades, Florida, before playing college football at Akron. Standing five foot...
2: Alistair. Oh, it is Jatavis Brown. That's very good. Yep.
1: That's very good. Yes. Uh, we'll...
0: Yep. Akron. Akron Ohio gave it away. Yeah.
1: Uh, only linebacker to ever be drafted from Akron,
0: and the first Akron player drafted mm.
1: since 2008 at the time. Uh Pick five in the twenty sixteen, uh, yeah, NFL draft, round five, pick one seventy five, Jatavis Brown, very good, and
0: and he was okay
1: for a season. I know I think he, he
0: he almost le- I th- didn't he lead the league in tackles. I'm yeah, fairly he held sure some, he at held one some point. Some pretty
1: good stats for us, um, and he he came out of yeah. uh, came out of college pretty
0: hot. Oh well, yeah.
2: I don't never know what really happened to him. Just kind of it was the change of coach, wasn't it? It might have been in, uh, from McCoy yeah. from to into in in yeah.
0: Lynn, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jack. Anyway.
2: All right, here we go. Uh,
0: I am 5'11", 200 pounds. Mm. I only started 10 games for the Chargers. I had one tackle for loss over my career. I had one fumble recovery and only one interception. And I only managed 41 tackles over my time playing for the Chargers, which I played for for four years only. I wore number 29 on the field. Uh, Alistair, it's Craig Mager. Craig Mager is 100% correct. Well done. An absolute waste of a draft pick in the third round, if you ask me. Poor Craig Mager. Uh, you can catch him at Twitter uh, on Twitter at CM <laughs> underscore lockdown25. I don't know if that's still active, but shout out to Craig Mager. Certainly wasn't was very nut, active buddy. on the field.
2: <laughs> okay, All back right. to me. We've got two more. Last one from me. All right. Who am I? I was born on the tenth of September, nineteen ninety-eight, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the same neighborhood and Little League as my cousin DeAndre Swift. I also played Little League with Nasir Adley, my best childhood friend. At Archbishop Wood Catholic High School, I started for four years as a wide receiver, including a season with seven hundred and three yards and six touchdowns as a senior. I earned a reputation as a hard-working pass catcher. Coaches raved about my work ethic, and in my class, I was rated a four-star recruit and the 21st-ranked wide receiver in the nation heading into college. I received college offers from Alabama, Georgia, Iowa, and my hometown school of Penn State. But ultimately, I decided to join my cousin, cousin DeAndre Swift, as a Georgia Bulldog. While it was never Georgia's intention, during my first training session, head coach Kirby Smart asked me if I was open hey, to oh, playing yeah. on the other... S- Yes, Jack. This is the minute you said started playing on the other side. I'm thinking it's a DB. And is it Mark Webb? It is Mark Webb. Yes! Peace. Well done. Peace Bad luck, willy.
0: Andy. Almost, you almost got me. You almost. almost got me. Very Not good.
2: a lot to add other than that. I mean, hopefully, we wish him well because he, he he was a bit unlucky. He started off in a promising fashion in the preseason. Ultimately, he only played six snaps for the season because he was placed on IR with a knee. So certainly a guy yeah. Staley wants back in the defense he can play that star position like he did at Georgia.
0: And he was that he was quite a good special teamer as well from memory, or oh, that's where he was he was getting a lot of his reps as well. Maybe yep. not caught, maybe good is not the word, but mm. he was he was ranting at that room. You yeah, don't need to, like to be win. good
2: you don't need to be good to get reps on the Charger Special Teams unit, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. And
1: righty, who am I, gentlemen? I played high school football at the Trinity Public High School in Uless, Texas. Apologies if I've got that wrong. Standing six foot five and weighing three hundred and fifteen pounds, I played forty eight games mm. for the Utah Utes in my collegiate career. Whilst not the first offensive lineman, I am the first pure tackle taken by Telesco.
0: Jack, oh, is that one? Oh,
1: 70?
2: well done.
1: Very
0: good. Well
2: done. I love the I'm, enunciation.
0: Good. I know my big boys. When I hear them, I know my <laughs> big do. boys. Um, third offensive
1: lineman selected in that draft behind Lamp and Feeney and taken in the sixth round pick 190, 2017. Very good. That was a bit of fun. Rightio, with that out of the way, let's turn our attention to the GM Tom Telesco himself. Let's let's heat up his seat with a few things, good and bad. Um, things that we've learned about him. Um throughout his tenure and us looking in as Chargers fans. Jack, take us away,
0: mate. Uh, Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I'll take a little bit of a different, maybe more of an organisational look at him uh, as a a drafter. Um, I think Telesco, you can say, is a bit of a home run hitter when the ball is lobbed to him. When the ball's not lobbed to him and it's got a bit of curve or a bit of swing on it, Um, I think he really, really struggles. Um, And that's where I think he's probably shown the most growth, but I still think it's a massive, massive blind spot for him. You know, we can talk about all the top-end talent like Bosa, Derwin James, you know, your Justin Herberts, all those guys. But the minute there's a little bit of grey and it's not as black and white, I think that's where he really starts to to really lack a little bit, Um, which will go into my next point. But what do you think about what
2: I just said, Alistair? Um, for starters, I never knew you're a baseball fan <laughs> with all the swing of the curveballs. Listen, um, I
0: tried, I tried to, I tried to mesh between cricket and and, and uh, like baseball it. there for uh, our
2: international audience. Yeah, I, I, I think he's he's done well. What I respect with his, you know, slam dunks so or the ones he's hit well, um, uh, is exercising restraint in situations where, watching from home, I was thinking, oh, trade up, you know, Derwin's almost landed to us and. You know, when that special player is falling and he's only one or two picks away, my finger gets really itchy on the trade up. That's where I, but he, he does all right at actually just trusting his board and the needs of the teams drafting ahead of us. And he has done well to take the layups when they've give, been given mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, you. But then look, there's been all the questionable third round picks. So, um, look. He, he, undoubtedly, he's done all right with some of those pro ballers and the guys at the top of the draft. Something I've noticed about him, uh, and it's hard to ignore, really, he he has a propensity to trade up for low value positions, but he refuses to trade down, and I think it is completely unforgivable. That's my that's my view. So he's been GM since twenty thirteen. He's executed only four draft day trades, so he doesn't like to move around the board. All of them, as we know, have been trades up the board. Three times he did it in a row from 2013 to 2015. It was for Manti Teo the first time, a linebacker, low-value position. Jeremiah Tauchu the second time in the second round. More of an edge rusher, so that's okay, but it didn't pan out. The next year, he trades up for Melvin Gordon in the first round. Again, running back, low-value position. And then in 2020, he trades up gets rid of his third round pick altogether to move up into the second to take Kenneth Murray. Again, low value, interior linebacker. And there's a certain, uh, dare I say it, an arrogance around kind of that failure, in my opinion, to self-reflect. And just, it's hard to analyze this in a vacuum, but I've looked at the other teams, right? And there's some really good data out there for teams and the trades they've executed from 2011 to the present day. And there are four teams that trade down the most in terms of their volume and quantity the patriots 24 trades the rams 19 trades the seahawks 19 trades and the eagles 18 trades that is trades down the board and And what do those four over
0: what period of time
2: a 10-year period from 2011 to 2021 so they're the four most trade down um, likely teams and what do they all have in common in that 10-year span
0: yeah, they've won
2: Super a Super Bowl. Now, lest it be thought I'm just providing a one-sided account. On the other side, there are some teams that love to trade up and trade up only. The Chargers are one of them. We've never traded down. The Steelers under Kevin Colbert have actually never traded down. Um, and nor have the Saints or the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs is the big one. Brett Veach doesn't mind trading up. But I'd say the difference there is he he really traded up for Mahomes and I think there is a case that you should, you could be forgiven for trading up to get your guy when it's the quarterback position. But I should say none of none of those teams—the Chargers, the Steelers, even the Cowboys—are a team who trade up quite a lot. And the Saints, some are good teams, but none of them have won a Super Bowl in that mm-hmm. period. So, on that topic, I think Telesco's really shown an inability to grow or le- learn from. What I see is a failing. He he, and I'm hoping he can change that. But um, I don't think it's good business because there's a lot. There's just a lot of analysis out there to show that it's such a lottery in the first round. You need to be less arrogant and realize that it's in your interest to be accumulating as many draft picks as you can. And one way to do that is trading down. If you trade up, you just put all that pressure on yourself because you're you're throwing away picks, and you've got to nail it. And if you don't. You're in trouble um what do you think jack looks like you, you've got something to add
0: yeah listen i mean i, I, I can see that and I, and I can understand you're calling it arrogance and perhaps you know and, and this kind of does touch on to something that i wanted to talk about and explore too is that i, I do wonder how much of the arrogance or the being a stalwart is actually what he's had to do at an organizational level because you know he was a wunderkind. He came in at forty, mm. which then was the youngest GM uh, ever in the league, and he comes into an organization with very a very very established quarterback. You've got an owner or an ownership who are historically difficult to deal with. Um, historically, get very annoyed very quickly at any kind of alternate thinking or aggressive. Um, I guess, on-field and off-field uh, tactics or or thoughts. So, you know, he's got McCoy in there, he's had Lynn, and now he's got Staley. I do wonder what the... How he's had to learn quite a lot to manage the expectations in his draft room on draft night. And as a young kid, you well, when I say kid, he's 40 years old, but in, in, in the NFL 10 years ago, mm. that's young. He's Perhaps he's been pushed around a lot or and he's needed to be that arrogant stalwart to actually justify purely because of his age and that's something that i think he's probably getting getting better at but he's finally got a coach in staley that's probably a fairly good communicator and is quite humble in his way of doing things where i think both mccoy and lynn were probably pretty old school and pretty 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 hard line Mm. so how do you match that is generally if you with those guys who are have been in the league a long time. If you roll over and give them something, they'll just trample all over you. Hopefully, he's found someone that he can work with. That's that's perhaps. I'm not defending Telesco here, but I'm perhaps thinking about how sure sounds that like arrogance it. you've you've perceived <laughs> that arrogance that we can perceive in the draft. That's perhaps could have could be one of the factors. I think
1: that that actually ties in really well with. Um a positive that I have uh, on Telesco and I call this one the coupon God and the big deal devil. Uh, and w- w- it's, it's well known around charges traps that Telesco has a knack for picking up cheaper deals. You look at um, Casey Hayward's first contract, Brandon Meebane's first contract, Danny Woodhead. He's had a bevy of proven mm. undrafted free agents, Adrian Phillips, Davis, Eckler. Um, there's of course been a few that haven't worked out, but it, over the years, it's definitely swaying in the positive for that. However, uh, and what you say, Jack, you, When he was younger, uh, when he first came into the role in twenty thirteen, my big point about this big deal devil is that I, I highlight the Derek Cox uh, contract, the cornerback that mm-hmm. he signed, that we signed from Jacksonville at the end of his rookie deal in twenty thirteen. It was a four or five mil, four or five year deal, twenty million or something. And he lasted all of one year of it. He was ranked the 104th out of 110, playing at least 25% of their snaps. Um, there, were, there have definitely been good ones, uh, like Keenan Allen's first extension, and I think his second one as well uh, will be. Um, it's still early. Phillip Rivers, obviously. Ingram paid off as well. Um, but uh, then you look at extensions to Orlando Franklin. Dunlap Brandon mm. Flowers Jaleel Adai Travis Benjamin um, although they're recent and kind of against my argument that he is maturing Brian Belaga and Chris Harris were one was a big injury um, crisis and the other one was just a disaster um, but he you know he's, he's extended Bosa and Allen to big money which I think is great also keeping Mike Williams in the building is a, is a really bold, smart move um, it's an, like an EQ kind of move Um, and Corey Lindsley, JC Jackson, Carlyle Mack. We're bringing in guys that he has spoken to his coach. He's communicated with Staley and he's going, right, you've actually got a vision and I can actually understand what I need to do to help you achieve what we as a collective need to achieve. So I would say it's a positive that he is maturing um, in his contract negotiation as well like some of the money that we've been signing guys for has been crazy good uh, we're not 100%. throwing it away so yeah look um he's he's getting better i guess at evaluating, evaluating those those key pieces um and yeah we can definitely all agree that he's done us proud with his latest haul
2: yeah, right. Well, we're being far too nice. I've got another. I've got another thing to point out. Um, although I would beware in case we ever want you know to invite the the dear GM onto our onto our humble podcast. <laughs> uh, the obvious thing to me is another obvious thing. I should say is his record drafting guys in the trenches has not been good. And I wonder if this is partly to do with learning under Bill Polian in Indianapolis and that kind of have valued your faster, more athletic type of players, skill position players when the Colts were up and about and winning Super Bowls with Peyton Manning. But Telesco's had 26 picks as a GM from rounds one to three. And I just wanted to look at the offensive and defensive linemen he's chosen to draft with those 26 picks in the first three rounds. He's taken 10. Ten picks from rounds one to three at those positions and their names are DJ Fluker, Chris Watt, Max Twerk, Joey Bosa, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Trey Pipkins, Sean Slater. Two out of those 10 are obviously elite. Joey Bosa, and I'm going to be generous, I'm going to say Slater Slater's elite. Many though, many of those are disappointing. He hasn't hit on a single interior lineman, I should say, in, in my opinion. I wouldn't say that either Justin Jones or Tillery were hits. No. We've let Jones walk in free agency. Tillery, we've just we still have an exercise, the fifth-year option. So that's an area where he needs to improve. Now his most recent pick in that respect was Rachon Slater. So to your point, Andy, maybe you know, we're seeing some you know late improvement or evolution or the translation might just be that Staley's making the picks. Who knows? Either way, all, road, all roads lead to Rome. Um, but that's an area he must improve on because that is not good enough for your offensive and defensive line. And that list I just read out with respect, Jack.
0: Yeah. I listen. I'd, and I, and I agree with that. Um, but I will again, think about, you've got to let people grow and you've got to give them time. It just so happens that a GM position you need to win now win straight away, this is when you've got to do it. And you've got, to, you've got to draft the guys that build the team that win the Super Bowl. Now, this is his third coach. Hmm. Arguably, some might say that he has worn out his welcome, but he must be doing something between the ownership, you know, the span himself. Oh, he's doing coaches. something all right. Yeah, he's he's managing that relationship. How he still has a job is quite incredible, hmm. given some of the other movements around the league and how how quick some other GMs are to to lose their uh, positions. So I also do think that perhaps that the hierarchy has been ownership, Telesco, coach. Mm. The coaches just worry about the X's and O's on the fields. Telesco worries about the contracts. There hasn't been a lot of talking between the front office scouting, the coach scouting, and what's going on. Uh, and so there's no what sorry not what's going on, but there hasn't been a combined effort. And from what you were saying before, Andy, is that for the first time I think he's working with someone who has a vision and actually gets the front office just as much uh, just as much as the X's and O's on the field. So hopefully from that we start to see Telesco learn a little bit more about the X's and O's and how that translate into onto and into his draft board and his draft strategy. Over the next number of
2: years. Mm. Spot on. Yeah.
1: Spot on. Well, I'll,
2: Andy, anything to add f- uh, from you?
1: Not specifically on that. I think we've touched the whole maturing kind of process uh, well and truly. But I think it's I think it's fair enough. Um, I'll go on the negative side of the coin this time, and um, I'm going to look at Telesco <laughs> Telesco's efforts in drafting players in the third round. So hot, hot mm. facts hot facts straight at ya. 2013 to 2021, nine drafts, nine total picks in the third round. Um, fun fact: one each year, except zero in 2020, which he used to trade with New England to move up to take Murray, and two mm. third rounders last year. So I'll exclude those players still on their rookie deal because I feel like in that time you know you're you're unproven. So that includes okay. Trey Pipkins, Josh Palmer, and Trey McKitty. Um, hmm. Uh, one former third round pick is still on the roster the only slam dunk of the bunch Keenan Allen from back in his first year so if we include at least the most seasoned of the aforementioned on their rookie deals do we think Trey Pipkins will receive an extension the jury is still well no. and truly out on Palmer and McKitty uh, although the signs of at least Palmer look good and there's talk that McKitty could be very handy in his role, maybe taking what Steven Anderson was doing. Although for a third round pick, you want a little bit more than that. Uh, mm. Let's take a, a mm. look at the absolute blunders that Tommy T has concocted in the third round. Uh, How long I'll you run, got I'll run through them pretty briefly because <laughs> it's all pretty, who's that? And oh yeah, yuck. Uh, so 2014, as mentioned earlier, there's a, there's a couple of those real stinky trench guys in here, I tell you. Uh, Chris Watt, Lasted two years of a four-year deal, uh, sub 700 total snaps, uh, offensive grade in 2015 was from PFF was 40.8, um, that Jeez. sucked, and we needed, we've always needed help, we've needed these guys to hit, and just no bueno.
0: Poor
2: Philip needed uh, them.
1: Absolutely, that's what I
0: was going to say. Considering that Philip Rivers is, was immobile back in 2014 15, yeah. we needed a good, we needed absolutely. a good
1: line. Uh, Craig Major, as we brought up before. Um, yeah, no gr- no good. More like
0: Craig Minor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Max Twerk, never played a snap <laughs> for a, the Chargers. Dan Feeney, uh, he lasted the duration of his deal. Good on him. Um, but he played left guard and centre in a pretty woeful offensive line. Um, mm. As they all were. Uh, his PFF grade ne- never really pushed much higher than 50. Then you've got... Justin Jones in 2018 lasted his rookie deal uh, and I don't think any of us really thought he was going to get um, uh, extended or re-signed rather um, but yeah look it's just another lacklustre return in the third round once again um, yeah any, any thoughts of that uh, Jack on the third round any, any guys uh, in particular that you think we could have taken
0: ahead of them Oh I I haven't done that research I mean there'd probably be a plethora but it goes back to it goes back to what I was saying before is that when it's black and white and when he when the ball is lobbed to him he makes the layup he hits the home run that's fine but that in the third and fourth rounds that's when as a GM you make your mark that's when you build the depth that goes to teams that go deep into playoffs yeah. that's where it is tougher that's where you've got to have a good control over your draft board your draft room your scouts you've got to have good conversations and strong communication with your coaches and your and and know what positional groups need fixing up what kind of traits you're looking for and how they fit into the overall um, plan of what the coach and ultimately the GM wants so that's where he's he needs to show what do you reckon
2: Al no nothing further from me we've we've spoken about it now at length the third round stuff bothers me because when i look at third round picks i still think they're high value picks and if you use them well you're talking about starters yeah. and at least he seems to have moved away from this but uh the small school guys in the third round i just can't get over it i can't get over the craig Mega. i can't get over the trey pipkins i mean these are guys like trey pipkins didn't even have a draft profile on the draft network and we got third round is a high pick that's you can get high. some really good guys there so, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to beat, beat a dead horse with, uh, with the topic. But room for improvement would be my uh, generous assessment. Sure. C plus to
0: B uh, minus, Tom. <clears throat>
2: That's what you need.
1: Uh, let's wrap up the past. Um, Jack, uh, your favourite two picks, least favourite two picks that Telesco's made in the draft. Fire him off.
0: So... I have got one that might upset some of you, but I have said his name was mentioned in the guess who game, and that's Sam Tevy. You know, mm. whether it's by circumstance or whether it was planned, he's a sixth round pick. He's been a tackle both on the left and the right hand side. He's been asked to play all sorts of positions. So and you've got him as the best pick. One of, one of Telesco's best. I've got best. him as one of the best ones. Oh, yeah, best. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Telesco's best. Yeah. Uh, all right. Call it dumb luck or not. I thought. I thought you know for a six rounder and mm. we're saying that he doesn't do very well on the late rounds it's got to be up there as serviceable the other one I'm going to say is a first round pick and this is where I think he played the gray very very well and that's obviously Derwin James oh, there was yeah. a huge risk versus reward with that pick he pulled it he pulled the trigger on it uh, DJ's one of my favorite ever players to put on the, to put on the baby blues. he's a great locker room guy yes he's had his injury. Issues, But hopefully they're now in the past He's going to be hopefully an All-Pro this year And for a couple of years beyond My, listen The two worst Jeez I've got a list I've got a list longer than the Bible Uh DJ Fluka was pretty bad And I'm going to say Oh yeah, Fluka's a shocker Fluka's That's a
2: shocker It was like the 6th ranked tackle yeah. And we took him anyway in the first. Unbelievable. In his class. And, mm. and what I will also say,
0: we've touched on Pipkins, you've touched on Lamp, you've touched on Feeney, you've touched on Murray. The other one was Tillery. Tillery has taken, l- listen, let's give him one more year. He's taken a long time to develop. Mm. Tillery be my, it's fluke and Tillery that's, for mine. That's why yeah. I
1: left Tillery alone in the last bit because I knew you were coming for him. So I just thought, <laughs> I can't comment from
0: all of us. I'm coming for yeah. him.
2: Should I jump in or How do you, you want to go, away, Andy? Al? Uh I think process matters for worst picks. Uh so I take your point on some of them like Tillery, but I thought at least at the time, I'm trying to not use hindsight bias, that there were people who liked Tillery at the like bottom of the first and saw all the havoc he'd created for Notre Dame. I'll go go back to the two I continue to say, Craig Mega and Trey Pipkins. You cannot do that in the third round. You can't take guys who barely anyone's heard of. It's just too much of a luxury. It's just a it's a dart throw. It's just like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna one-up all these other GMs and I'm going to look like a wunderkind tier because I'm going to take somebody nobody mm. was thinking of and I'm going to be proven Great right. Point. Great um, point. Anyway, in the two best picks, I'm going to say, uh, in fact, look, I'll just say one because I think a lot of the favorite picks are like your Keenan and Allens of the world, which everyone knows already. The one that occurs to me is Drew Tranquil.
1: Mm.
2: I think... Yeah. I think that's an excellent fourth-round pick. I don't know what more you could expect in the fourth round than get a guy who's excellent in the locker room, contributes on special teams, starts on the defense in linebacker, calls out all of the different plays, and is good against the run and the pass and can blitz. It's really just his health that's mm. been a concern so far. But that's a that's a great fourth-round pick, in my opinion. And
0: he also has a podcast, funnily enough. Really. He does. He started up his own podcast. So I watched that earlier this week. So okay. Drew, if you're listening, we've called you one of the best draft picks that Telesco's made. So we'd love to have you on, mate.
2: Yeah. He's yeah. not listening. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Andy. Is he
1: listening? Golly. Uh, yeah, I'll go pretty plain and simple for my first. the first of my favorite picks. Um, Keenan Allen, uh, value production, value in the third. Um, need I say any more? Uh, and yeah, also the leadership as well. Like what he's doing with Joshua Palmer at the moment might be all of Palmer's doing, and Kenan might find it really annoying. But you know, he's um he's helping the young kids. Uh, my second mom's tough. Um, Bosa was my obvious choice. Uh, but he was pick he was pick three, and Telesco had to nail that. Um, I'm gonna go my with up. yeah. Mm. I'm gonna go with Hunter Henry as my second favorite pick. Um, the only nice. tight end that Telesco's ever drafted. Um, It's a shame we couldn't make it work uh, during free agency a couple of years ago, but he was um, a great pick, very handy tight end for River post-Gates. Yeah, my least favorite picks. So when you trade up seven spots in the second and hand over a fourth, I think a fourth round pick as well, um, you totally miss Scout. Uh, a Notre Dame linebacker and take him in the second. Manti Teo would have to be one of my most Mm. frustrating picks as a Charger
2: fan. It was... The invisible girlfriend (laughs) guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You could forgive Telesco managing his first draft, but his inexperience showed so brightly here. On to my second one. Um, Yeah, DJ Fluka was a hot candidate for this, but I'm going to go a bit of a jerk. And I'm going to pull Joe Reed and KJ Hill as my second mm-hmm. selection. Two wide receivers taken with fifth and seventh round picks. So, look, not high, but um, I'm mainly lo- looking at uh, Reed, who was taken at 151. Neither of them lasted yeah. beyond their rookie mm-hmm. season, uh, failed miserably in their attempts to add depth to special teams or really contribute for that fourth or fifth wide receiver spot. Um, and it was sort of frustrating having them there on the depth chart with what they've been putting out. Um, so a considerable waste of two selections on the same position uh, is what really frustrated me. Um, Darnell Mooney and Donovan Peoples Jones are two of the wide the wide receivers taken after Reed. So that's how I'll wrap that one up. Um, anything you guys would like to add there?
0: There's some real, real stinky draft picks in yeah. there. Yeah. My, my lord. We don't want to be too negative. Real, we real really want
1: to lift the lift the positivity heading into this season. Um, <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's lift it All then. Right, We've got the point draft point. coming let's up. <laughs> We've got the present. Lift don't worry about the yeah. past.
2: The past is the yeah. past. We've passed, passed the fucking the made the let's playoffs go. two times in about nine oh, years. That's
1: it. Now we Now we come to yeah. the present. Um, and we're looking at the Chargers roster as it is. Um, what holes... Or what position groups do you think we're really sound with and don't really need to do much to? Or what are the glaring holes that we've still got? Um, And what can we use, what can we draft um, in this class at those positions? I will put out a big note. Uh, College football is accessible but not readily accessible for us here in Australia. So what I'm saying is we don't watch college football. Uh, Everything that we take about these draft prospects is essentially what we watch in a little bit of tape, mainly highlights. We listen to a broad variety of pundits um, and the, the pro journos on what they're saying about these players, what you know, interviews happen and all that. So we don't have a perfect view on all of the, the college prospects, but that's just how uh, we assess everything. Um, each of us are gonna take a position group um, And, yeah, we'll comment on, you know, what's going on there and what what things look like in the draft for us. So, Jack, if you want to get started with the right tackle and guard offensive line, um, fly on.
0: All right, let's go. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the trenches is something that I really enjoy. Um, I'm a fairly large human, or so a lot of people tell me. I like to lift large things and heavy things. So I have a invested interest, uh, a vested, I should say, interest into looking at these big boys, how they develop. Um, so I'm going to go, it's a little bit of a diatribe, uh, but hopefully it makes sense. And I'll leave some space for Andy or Al, you can jump in um, when I do that. So just looking at the roster as we. Uh, as we have it now um, We've got an overload of tackles on the roster you've got, yeah, you've got Slater You've got Storm Norton You've got Pipkins You've got a guy called Foster Sorrell Who's on there And you've also got Brandon uh, Hymas Who's a guard slash tackle mm. Via the Chargers uh, website Which I thought was quite interesting You've got Lindsley there You've got Filer And then you've got Ryan Hunter At that guard centre position too The, the, the free agents uh, at the moment You've got Abushi, You've got Kelamedi You've got Schofield and there's been some discussion or some rumours flying around that we're thinking or we're interested in Will Clap, the guard tackle from uh, New Orleans. So that's how we're sitting. And, and what I found quite interesting... But Before you make your
2: point, Jack, can you give us your best uh, Senio Calamete pronunciation?
0: <laughs> well, after the Denver game last year that I saw is possibly one of the worst performances I've seen from an offensive lineman, let alone player Evie, ever, and that is Senio Calamete. Nice, absolutely useless. I think the best thing about him is his name. So sorry, Senio, if you're listening, I really apologise. <laughs> Hope you're
2: doing well, mate. <laughs> absolutely useless. He's gone Our heads with. have grown massive. Right.
0: sorry everyone, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> jump on board. Um, funnily enough, I did. I did have a look at the ages of these guys. Abushi, thirty years old. Calamete thirty-one. Schofield's thirty-one. Um, whereas on the so they're all free agents and then on the on, on our roster side Hymus 22 we've got um, Storm Norton is 27 Ryan Hunt is 27 Pipkins is 25 Foster Sorell is 23 and Slater's 23 and why I noted that is because I have a dichotomy in my head when I look at especially offensive linemen and that's power versus technique mm. and I what I have found that I I look at offensive linemen, and if they have a whole lot of power in college, it tends to take a while for them to get to the NFL level purely because not only are you dealing with guys that are your physical um, compare, Mm. you're also looking at guys that have had a lot of time to work on their technique. So I always lend myself towards guys that have solid technique and the power, the strength can be built with a really, really good weight training program over those first two or three years. So that's the kind of lens that I use and you can disagree with that, that's fine. Um, But how I do understand, and if we look across the league at the moment, we are finding guards and tackles, they're coming into their own a lot later in their careers after their first rookie deal. You're sort of looking at guys that are about 27, 28. They've had a lot of time to physically develop and they are sort of hitting their straps. So I think that's something that we've got to take into account. Mm. And I do think we're... I worry a little bit of only having Lindsley and Filer in that gap of th- of that twenty nine and thirty gap. The rest are just in my mind and my opinion is that they're a little bit too early uh, to actually be considered a, a, a solid line. Al, did, do you have anything to say on that? What no, do you, no. What do you think about
2: philosophically? That? I think that's great. I mean, you're right. We unless you're the rare exception of a freak like Sean Slater who hits the ground running, those examples are few and far between. You see uh, a learning curve. Not just, you know, picking blitz recognition, picking up assignments, that kind of thing. But then the physical transformation from college to pros, I think you've nailed it on the head. And I think the same applies to uh, defensive linemen too, while I'm Correct. at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, correct. I agree. So the Will Clapp signing, uh, if the rumor's is true, I think that's that's really positive. He's that guy, you know, in that sort of that 26 to 30 age bracket who could be physically uh, ready. Um, so when I started looking at the draft, I, I'm not a fan of perhaps where we're sitting if we trade back or if we stay at 17. I'm not too much of a fan of perhaps taking a, a first round offensive lineman. So what I looked at, is that I looked at some guys, I looked at two guys especially, that perhaps could project into a, uh, a starting level quality uh, offensive lineman sooner rather than later. So not a Trey Pipkins that we're waiting around season after season after season to see if he puts it together. But mm. these guys, from what I've seen, um, have, I believe, what it takes to, to become, whether it's 18 to 24 months, I think they're able to to get there. First guy is Zach Tom. Mm. Um, PFF have him at 64 So he's that sort of that third That third round from Wake Forest um, He's got a great personality Awesome measurables Ran a 49440 uh, 447 shuttle He's Fast. got really good hand and arm length Which is we're always concerned about The levers that offensive linemen use And the size of their hands For those for those making sure that they're nice and strong there um, he, he He's blocked against a guy Who could be a top 10 pick in Jermaine Johnson mm. And I I really, I quite like him. Zach Tom, if we picked up him in that third to fourth round, I'd be very happy. Are you thinking as a
2: tackle or a guard, Jack, with him? Do you think he's got what he takes on the outside? Well, the great thing is, is that he's lined up in multiple positions. So Mm. he's taken
0: time at centre, he's taken time at guard, and he's taken time at tackle. And I think if, if I look at the state of the current roster, we're looking for tackles, guys that can kick outside if need be, guys that can go inside. So I think versatility is key. And Zach Tom ticks all those boxes. Yep. The second guy, uh, Alec Lindstrom, Uh, he's PFF. He's ranked around that 200, 198 from Boston College. Um, On the outside, he looks a bit sloppy. He doesn't look particularly athletic. Um, But from what I have read and from what I've seen, he's extremely cerebral. He's a tape dog. Um, His brother was taken 14th in 2019, Chris to the Falcons, Chris Lindstrom. Um, he does lack scheme versatility he does have a bit of a nasty demeanor though I, I love Penning's demeanor I just don't think it's going to translate particularly well into the uh, into, into the NFL. Um, but if Lindebaum or Jurgens aren't there and we don't have a backup center on the roster at the moment I'd love to take him at that in that fifth in, in those later rounds he's, yeah. he's, he's really cool and we know how much Staley loves the, the football mm-hmm. families. So that's kind of where I'm at. Abraham, Link, uh, Abraham Lucas from Washington State, <laughs> Dylan Parham, Memphis, Max Mitchell, Callan they're all Ooh. sitting there. But Lindstrom and Zach
2: Tom are my guys that I'd awesome.
0: like to
2: see. Interesting. Something I picked up, though, I mean, and I don't want it to get lost in the wash, but you did say kind of at the outset, I don't really like offensive line for the first selection. Interested to explore that. Is that a prospects thing or you think it's a needs-based thing where there are other areas of the roster we should be targeting? It's a needs-based thing from my uh, perspective. And I also
0: think that last year was the, if we follow on the, the tactic or the, 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 the method that Staley mm. used last year was fix up the offensive line with free agent acquisitions, make a big splash for Lindsay, Lindsley make a splash for Filer, make a splash for Abushi, mm. And then we draft a tackle, which was Slater who's been a home run it would make sense this off season was let's fix the defensive line. And I'm thinking that we've made the big splash with Mac. We've got SJD, we've got Johnson and to top that, to put a cherry on top, whether it's a Jordan Davis or someone on that edge. Uh, I, th- I have a feeling that for me, that's where we might be going. As I'm saying, is that what I want? Not necessarily, but if we look at that as a, as a, as a construct, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. So we, we're going on the defensive line at 17
2: if we stay there. Okay. Cool. Anything you want to add, Andy, before I move to the next position group? No. Uh, all
1: I was trying to – all I was really – that was emanating for me out of Jack was no to Trevor Penning at 17. So Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's – yep, it sits with me too. Um, uh, you'd really have to convince me if Charles Cross fell, um, but he's probably mm. the only guy that I'd, I'd consider. Uh, and I think 17 might be too high for Zion Johnson although he'd be yeah he'd be great. if you can trade back get him he can do a lot of stuff. You can do a lot of fun stuff yep. so
2: agree. I'm um, pretty
1: pretty with you on that one Jack. Lloyd mate fire off.
2: Yeah all right I'll fire off on the cornerback position. So our, our current state of the roster is well known to you all. We've signed JC Jackson as the big gun. We have Michael Davis sitting there. Uh, who's under contract until the end of 2023, so two years left. But we're getting to a point where there's some incentive to think about moving him along just because of the way we backload these deals. We could save quite a bit of money at the end of this year coming up uh, if we cut him because at this stage of his deal, he's making $9 million a year and there'll be no dead cap consequences if we cut him at the end of 2022. So I think Staley's starting to think about life without Michael Davis, not least because he didn't seem to be a fantastic scheme fit. This season passed. Yeah, he looked lost. Uh, apart from
1: <clears throat>
2: um... and I think it might just be because he's more of a man cover corner, he's an athlete, and maybe some of the you know the the varied things that Staley is asking of his corners in terms of technique and their eyes, it's it might just not be him. Um, then others in the room, we know we, we drafted Asante Samuel last year, and you know, apart from the concussion issues to one side, he looks to be relatively promising with some flex inside and outside. Other than that, we're in real trouble. The only other two corners that are worth mentioning to Tavon Campbell and Keimon Hall. So, you know, our starting trio might be serviceable, but there is a lot of work to be done. And if you listen to Staley for just 12 seconds this offseason, he almost can't even go that long without talking about DBs. I need more DBs. It's, it's what he lives for. And he constantly refers to his staff and his previous teams as, you know, DB factories. It's what he wants. So... Moving to this draft class, I think the cornerback group as a whole in this draft class is strong. Some really excellent athletes. Some of the fastest athletes recorded of the last few years of of draftees. So there's some serious talent there. I know Jack has made the point privately that maybe these prospects are uh, preparing more for these tests these days at the instruction of their agents, possibly true. But I think on paper, it's a very strong, it's a very athletic group of corners. A few names. First round, absolute dream scenario, of course, in my opinion. Derek Stingley finds his way to the Chargers by falling to 17. I mean, to me, that's obviously the dream of the draft. I'm not going to work the following Monday if that happens. I'll be still partying over the weekend. But at this stage, it seems like the narrative around Derek Stingley, who I should say is the cornerback from LSU, is... it's, it's changed. It's transformed from a guy who people are worried about his foot and why his output wasn't quite as good in his um, last two seasons compared to his freshman year in 2019. Now the narrative seems to be, oh, okay, either the Texans are thinking about him a pick three and all this kind of thing. So I, I highly doubt he falls because the, the talent is just sublime. It's He could be a true lockdown corner. Um, but all of our staff attended his pro day, there have been, you know, rumors on Twitter for what they're worth that we could trade up. That would be exciting. Let's leave him parked. Other guy another, the only other guy I think I really like at 17 is Trent McDuffie, the cornerback out of Washington. First, what I don't like, the the measurables are not prototypical. Five foot eleven, 193 pounds, 29 and three quarter inch arms. And it shows on film and on tape if you trust the experts. They say there are times where he doesn't get his hand to break up the pass, that kind of thing. But And, and his 40 time at 4.44 was not as fast as some are expecting because one of his real strengths was his athleticism and he didn't quite test like an Uber athlete. So he's a guy I think it is quite possible, maybe not probable, but possible he falls to us at 17. And I just think he's a Staley guy. I think Staley looks for predominantly zone corners and Washington ran a heck of a lot of zone. Guys who are cluey, heady, they have inside and outside flexibility. He offers all of that. And he's meant to be one of the best guys, locker room, interview, all that stuff, character off the charts. So I like McDuffie. If we're gonna trade back a couple of these kind of just DBs, I know Staley likes to kind of do away with the nomenclature around corners and DBs. Uh, Jalen Petrie, the Baylor Bear, and Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I see both of these as DB types who can play that star position where if we're going to go with a 5 DB grouping on rundowns, they can come in and and put their nose in, stick their nose in, in run support. I'd be thrilled with either of those two. And then there are two what I deem more sleepers that I think would be good fits. One is Zion McCollum, the Sam Houston State cornerback. Don't know if you guys have looked too much into this guy, but he's got that prototypical size and length, six foot two, 199 pounds. What he's just done is achieve the number one ranked RAS score. So your relative athletic testing, Mm. Uh, every cornerback who's ever been graded since 1982 until today, Zion McCollum, after his combine performance, it was just ranked number one overall out, out of 2000 something corners. It's just crazy. He ran a 4.33, jumping out of the gym, all that kind of stuff, length, arm length for days. So he is your physical specimen, but he also got his hand on a lot of balls for Sam Houston State. He managed four picks and um, he is definitely someone we might consider. Not sure if he'll fall to the third, um, but look, there were, were some concerns about the lower competition. Sam Houston State is very much a small college. And when he got invited to the Senior Bowl, didn't do quite as well um, there. The other guy who's a sleeper is a guy called Kobe Bryant, named after the the late, great Kobe Bryant, but still differently, spelled C-O-B-Y. And he uh, is the quarterback who played opposite to Sauce Gardner in Cincinnati. And he really held up well. And I think there are aspects of him that Staley will like. So he's got that six foot one kind of size and length, He's slower, so he's only a 4.5440 guy. But he picked off 10 passes for the Bearcats. So that's 10 interceptions. He broke, broke up 37 he passes. He's getting a lot of
1: footballs thrown at him with Sauce on the other side of the field. But, but yes. hey, that's how you, that's so, yeah. how you test him, right? That's how you know what you're getting. He's good competition and he's having a lot of balls thrown at him. So I'll take 10 picks.
2: Yep, exactly like Darius Williams uh, in Los Angeles, mm. right? You need that second corner to hold up. So he's another guy I like. And just quickly, some guys I don't really like. I'm just worried about the scheme fit of some of these more press man corners who you feel like they're going to get up and bump and run you on the line of scrimmage. And maybe they're not as good at playing in zone. They lack the zone instincts. They lack the ball production. And I'm thinking Kye Elam out of Florida. Mm. With him, I also worry about the penalties. I think he'd be good in a cover one, cover three kind of man scheme where he gets up on you and pushes you around. Tariq Woolen is another guy from UTSA, same kind of deal. Six foot four, really fast, but maybe not as um, thoughtful as a player. Jalen Armadavis, Davis, another guy from Alabama, same thing, and a guy called Damari Mathis out of Pittsburgh. So their corners I just. I'm not saying there won't be good players. I don't think they're the right fit for our scheme. And just for people who might like to know who we've been meeting with in the last few weeks, there are three corners we've met with, at least on the record. There's a guy called Daron Bland from Fresno State, Sean Jolly from Appalachian State, and then maybe the most well known Kalon Barnes from Baylor. And he ran a 4.23 at the Combine, which is the fastest time uh, recorded by DB in Combine history. So that's a you know, kind of a broad view of the cornerback position. Uh, Andy, I'll throw to you for any comments before we move on to linebackers. Broad
1: is uh, broad is an understatement. That was very, very thorough. That is why you're the tape guy. Um, mate, uh, that's awesome. I think it's going to be a very um, sought-after position for the Chargers in the draft, and I wouldn't hate on us maybe hitting one of those earlier guys. Um, I'm probably a little less on McDuffie just because I feel like it's drafting mm. another Asante, and we sort of just need a little bit bit different to sort of help out um, JC on the other side of the field or well, sorry let JC be on the other side of the field do his thing and I, I really like the idea of Asante moving in uh, into the slot um, but yeah Dax Hill and Petrie are guys I'm really big on um, I didn't do too much yeah. late round kind of stuff on the cornerbacks but hey if you say it I believe it so um, yeah I might jump into the linebacker group Um, and it's, it's quite interesting. We, we saw Kaiser walk, um, and he left in free agency to Philly and Staley's come out and say, you know, that was one of the hardest, the hardest sort of decisions. Um, so as, as we stand, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, Nick Neiman, Amen Ogbongamiga and well, sort of recently signed Troy Reader from the Rams, one of Staley's guys, um, I see there, I see a misused first-round pick. Um, you touched beautifully on Drew Tranquil earlier. Um, the roles that he plays on and off the field is awesome. Um, and then a fair bit of <laughs> mediocrity in the Ogbong Omega getting on defensive snaps. Uh, but a lot of good work from Nick Neiman on special teams. So <clears throat> um, we definitely do need improvement in run defense in all areas on uh, on D. Uh, either we shift the role for Kenneth Murray or, like I said, let's see what Nick Neiman can do um, and let's see what Troy Reader will offer this group on field, apart from just his leadership. Um, so, <laughs> beyond appreciating the athletic talent a lot of these top prospects in this group have, I didn't pay too much thought to what we could look for in the draft, um, except Especially, well, especially because Telesco has a pension for drafting rubbish linebackers. Uh, please see Manto Teo, Joshua Perry, and I'll throw in... Oh, um, Joshua Perry. Joshua we forgot about Perry. him. I'll throw in, here. I'll throw in Denzel Perryman there too. Um, I busied myself with our, our other positions of need, uh, but then word came out that Kenneth Murray's ankle surgery is potentially going to make him miss OTAs and training camps. So. Yeah. Yeah, really, just, um, well, I mean, it came off a dog year as well. I'm re evaluating my views on the actual importance of our approach to this, uh, this position in the draft. In saying that, mm. I don't want to hear linebacker and charges come out of Roger Goodell's mouth in the same <laughs> sentence until, <laughs> look, with what we've got at the moment, if we stay where we are, a first, a third, and a fourth, we've got way bigger needs than linebacker at any of those positions. So, fifth mm. at earliest.
0: Um, wow. Okay.
1: And yeah. Well, look. I mean, you can move up if we do trade back and get that second route and move into the fourth. But I'm not really looking at. Uh, I mean, I'd love to have a guy like Leo Chanel uh, running mm. around, smashing it up. He's he'd be,
2: he's the guy. I'll forget. I, I he, could. Yeah. I could live with us taking yeah, him. Yeah. But even then, I just not I in just the first. Think, but yeah, you know.
1: Well, how far is he gonna fall? Not to the third. I wouldn't have thought. Um, no. So, yeah, look, as I said, I'm not going to spend a high pick. I wouldn't look to spend a high pick on backer. Um, and you, what you get with the later round guys is deficiencies here and there. Um, yeah. But I, I, I've i gone for a couple of, just a couple of guys that are sort of that physical build that we like, that's sick bit above six foot, the 240 pound. Um, so just for the sake of being a, an alum of Tom Telesco's school, DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian yep. State, captained there. And another one with leadership skills played uh, next to Leo Chanel in Wisconsin, and that's Jack Sanborn. Um, yeah, I, I liked I him football too. IQ yeah, and I reckon you could get him in the fifth or the sixth. So um, <laughs> it's sort of another Neiman kind of projection piece. Um, but I mean, look, if you're the Chargers GM and you're drafting a backer in this draft, tell me, hell, tell me in the comments below. What are you looking to add to the current group by drafting a, a backer, um, guys? If you have any any thoughts on, I mean, you've already sort of voiced a bit of Leo Chanel, but Jack, any any views on yeah. this group and what we need? What what would you? Yeah, look listen. For?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you've summed that up really well. I think there are other positions of need, and that kind of ties into. I'm not sure how much Staley actually values the linebacker position in his yeah. defense. There seems to be a lot more time and investment going into the defensive line and also on the outside on the top and he's always about trying to keep a lid on the defense keep mm-hmm. a lid on the defense and I don't really know and I, I think I touched on this in, in our last episode but or it might have been offline they tend to merge our, our conversations on podcast and offline but what you're asking linebackers to do these days is one of the most difficult positions on the defence, I think. You're asking them to not only stop the run and you're going up against your Derrick Henrys of the world, but then you're also asking them to perhaps line up on your Travis Kelsey's mm. and cover them. So the ver- there are very, very rare... There's one or two players each draft that perhaps could do that. And even then we see that sometimes the highly touted linebackers mm-hmm. still take a long time <coughs> to develop yeah. in that position. So I do wonder if we just go for those traitsy guys, the special teamer, you know, the Nick Niemans that are just physical beasts that are fast, um, up and down and left and right, mm. rather than going for your specialist Denzel Perriman, heavy hitter down runner, because that gives a very distinct look to your defense as well. It telegraphs what you're gonna try and do. Whereas if you've got your DBs or you've got your linebacker slash DBs on the field, you're not too sure. Where you're going as as the opposition um, offensive coordinator or QB, where you should attack. So mm. I, I think Staley's looking for that versatility in in that in that positional group, and not try to hire to, to draft guys or sign guys that are too one yeah. or the other. Just one think, thing
2: Al? to add, man. I think my views changed a bit. When, when he first came to the team, I was thinking, you know, wants to play a light box and we want these super fast guys. He likes Kaiser White who can play in coverage a bit and then, you know, help in and run support. Looking at the moves we've made, I'm actually thinking the defense might suit your more prototypical 250-pound linebacker who's got some height on him. Because if you want to play a light box, your your run support is integral as your linebacker. I, I used to think, you know, fast guys who shoot through. But he's he's... Getting guys like Troy Reader who are bigger and Kenneth Murray and keeping around your, like your Nick Niemans of this world. And I'm thinking maybe all he really needs of his linebackers is someone who can help out in run support and cover the running back in the flat. So he's got to be fast enough to do that, but really he's got to be big and strong. I'm starting to think... That might be the case, and I'm very interested to see if we do take a linebacker. What are his dimensions? What's the profile? Because I think it'll take tell you more and more about guys who Telesco thinks fits his scheme.
0: I I disagree because I think what I and we didn't really cover it because we're not covering safeties. But I love Kyle Hamilton. I think yep. as a as a prospect because he is that Derwin James. So you know, I I reckon Staley wants to use Derwin James in that. Bizarre linebacker role, come yep, safety, hybrid. come yeah. cornerback. The hybrid, because I think, that, as I said about the versatility in that position, is that you want to try and trick the the opposition quarterback and the opposition offensive coordinator. So I, I, I slightly disagree on that. And I think your Kenneth Murrays, your Troy Readers, are going to come into the sub-packages that are slightly different that are looking for you're looking for uh whether you know like a kenneth murray lines up in just outside or off a bosa or offer kelly or mac or something like that so i i i do disagree slightly on that point but i guess time will tell
2: okay take us to to edge jack
0: yeah i, I guess that that's a great segue um i i must admit and i'll admit this i didn't spend as much time on the edge as I did with the offensive line, purely because if we look at the moves that we've made, we've obviously traded for Mac. We drafted Chris Rumpf last year. Um, We've got Joey Bosa there. And as I mentioned, you could be seeing Kenneth Murray in those packages where he is lining up Mm. as a pass rusher. Whether he goes into that edge category, I'm not sure. Whether we're trying to do the Melvin Ingram with him, it could happen. Looking at the draft... Uh, I must admit we've got Egg Belay and uh, Davis as well as those sort of those third and fourth and fifth options, which are not particularly strong. So we possibly could take an edge in the first sort of one to two to three rounds. Hmm. We probably already know that it's a stacked position. We talk of Hutchinson, <coughs> we talk of Carl Laftus, we talk of all these guys of going in the top ten, top fifteen. Um, but but I do think in this position it is quite deep. I think we'll be looking for traitsy guys. I think we'll be looking for your Leonard Floyd types nice. that ha- that that Staley used in his Rams defense. I think you're looking for guys with a ready-made toolkit that can that have one or two moves that could transition into the NFL as an effective um, as an effective edge player. I, th- I go straight to something like Jake, uh, Drake Jackson mm. because I nice. think he's got an insane toolkit. Oh. Um, he, he does need development, but he's that traitsy, that high ceiling guy with a lot of, with, with speed power. Uh, I don't necessarily think he fits a win now mindset, but behind a Rumpf, behind a Bosa and a Mac, he could be really, really fun. The other guy, and these are kind of that, that second, third round-ish. The other guy is a Josh Pas- Pascal. Oh yes, I Jack. Like yes, yeah. Jack.
2: I love Josh uh, Pascal. Uh,
0: yeah, he's he's. I love a I love a big bull rush, and he has got a he's he's an animal in the bull rush. I love it. He just overpowers. Whether that translates into dominance over NFL linemen, I'm not too sure, but he's also very scheme versatile. Mm-hmm. I think. And looking at his tape, he does attack and has been asked to attack from different positions, which I quite like. So those would be the two guys that I'd be pretty excited about. Not not at seventeen, obviously, but if we trade it back into that second and third round, another couple of guys, maybe a little bit later, someone like a Dominique Robinson or yeah. an Alex Wright. I, I won't go into too much detail with them, but my feeling is that we're gonna we if we're gonna go edge, we're gonna look at a traitsy guy. We're gonna look at someone that can work with Bosa and Mac, someone that wants to learn from Bosa and Mac. I think that's a really really important one as well and perhaps even pushes Rumpf as well. So you've got those two, one with in their second year, one in their first year. Rookie can really support and learn from your Bosa For and Mac. Sure. Uh, nice. What say you, Alistair?
2: Yeah, well, I, I like the run down there. Nick Benito is another guy I like in terms of speed off the edge. Another one I love is Arnold Ibikati. I just don't think he's going to be there um, in our slots. I think he's going to go right in that end of the first round. We're just not going to hit him, but I think he's yeah. a very good player. And I think... Um, it's one of those sneaky needs that we might hit earlier than people think. If, yeah, for example, okay. just imagine this. Imagine Jermaine Johnson falls to 17. I wouldn't discount us taking him. Because I think there is an element of we've got Bozo and we've got Mack. And then if one of them gets injured, we've got Rumpf. Either we're going to sign someone after the draft, which is cool if we if we go that approach. But I wouldn't discount if there's a if there's the right guy there, I think we'll hit him. Anything you have to say, Andy, before I move on to the the running backs? I
1: I agree with you that I think we will hit it because similar, and I'll get to the interior of the defensive line after you've done the running backs, but we are an injury away to one of these guys from being in the same position we were uh, watching our defensive line just get run on. So, um,
2: Mm.
1: yeah, I think think we will hit it. Um, And I like the guys you pointed out, Jack. I think... Pascal and Drake Jackson are both like serious dudes. So look, yeah, Al- me too.
0: Yeah, there's a, a. I will say, listen, if a Karlaftis or one of those premier top ten pass rushes is there at seventeen, I'm not saying not take them. Mm. What I'm looking at is I I, I. I. But I don't want to touch on Andy's interior defensive line um, too much. But it's. I, I think it's a position that if 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 I'm gonna use the same mindset that we used with the offensive line last year where we, we finished it off with a Rayshon Slater. I I do think that we're going to be high, either looking at a cornerback or we're looking at that defensive line yep. edge. Maybe not so much, but interior. Anyway, Al, you go with the RB two. Time will the tell. RBs, I should say.
2: Running backs, we know who's on the roster. We need help in that position. We've got Austin Eckler who's bloody doing everything, trying his guts out who's now, you know, you've got to start thinking about tread on the tires. He scored 20 touchdowns last year. He's been playing a while and behind him, there's a real chasm. Uh, Neither of Kelly nor Roundtree so far have seized that position. I know there's, everyone's down on running backs these days in the draft, but if you're a team who thinks you're about to go on a run for the Super Bowl, I think that's when it makes sense for you to plop one of those guys in, even relatively high in your draft selections Maybe not your first round pick, but if you're a team going for the Super Bowl and you drop in a Todd Gurley or you know a Saquon Barkley or one of these elite prospects or a Nick Chubb, I think it can push you over the line. So I, I was really excited looking at these backs and it, it seems to me there aren't a lot of guys who offer the every down versatility might one might want from a lead back, but there's certainly lots of guys if you're looking for a thumper, like an Austin Eckler type of complement, Um, Or if you're planning for life after Eckler, dare I say it, I think there are a few guys with his type of skills. I'll go through them quickly. The guys I like the most, where I think we can pick them, Damian Pierce out of Florida. We're talking about like a butcher knife bowling ball type who just runs through you. Great contact balance. Um, Didn't have a lot of carries at Florida, but whenever he did, you just see the the play strength. He'd be an awesome kind of... Thunder, I think, to Austin Eckler's lightning. He could really hit hit the hole hard. Tough to bring down. Not much of a home run hitter, but that's fine. Another guy I like in that third round range, Zemir White out of Georgia. He's kind of your athletic freak. Six foot, 214 pounds. Scored 22 touchdowns in his career for the Bulldogs. Um... Very athletic, ran a four point four forty, and with running running backs, I think that ten yard splits really important. And he was the second fastest in the entire class, so I really like him. But again, like all these backs, has something a bit wrong with them. He's had two ACLs already in his career, once yeah. in ho- senior year of high school, first year as uh, as a freshman in college. But you know, a guy like Frank Gore had the same thing. <laughs> He had two ACLs before he was drafted and went on to be successful. Modern medicine and all that jazz—not my strong suit. I'm a humble lawyer. So, the other guy I like is Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. Yes, he's, he's good. He is a home run hitter. He had seventeen hundred y- yards and eighteen touchdowns last year, and he just—he looks like, with time, he could be an and kind of a proper feature back for your team. Although he's a guy who hasn't shown a lot of receiving talent. So he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield. They're like your guys are taking the third. And then very quickly, I'll just name a couple of thumpers. Hassan Haskins out of Michigan. Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama.
0: I like Brian Robinson.
2: They're yeah. your six foot two, 225 plus. Give it to him in short yardage. Hit the hole. Thump it. These kind of guys. Um, so I would think they're excellent compliments to Eckler and can probably be had in the fourth round. Uh, and then a couple of guys who I think aren't really a good fit. Firstly, I like Rashad White out of, out of Arizona State and Tyler Orgea out of BYU. There are other guys we could take um, because I know a lot of you listeners out there, especially on Bolts from the Blue, you really love Tyler Orgea. You love the guy. I get it. We hear his name every day. I'd be remiss if I could, didn't mention him. But a few that I don't think are the right fit are James Cook, Delvin Cook's younger brother out of Georgia, uh, Tyler Beatty out of Missouri and Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. And the reason is all three of them are your five foot eight smaller guys who look like they're third down backs. Going to be really handy in the receiving game and I just don't think that's who we need to bring in at this particular time even if they might be okay players. So that's, yeah. that's my um, assessment of the running back group. Uh, we have... On record, been um, it's been confirmed we visited with Keontae Ingram, who's USC's feature back, and he he just really reminded me of Melvin Gordon with the way he ran. He's that six foot one, two twenty pound kind of guy. I would not be surprised if this is one of those ones where we draft him. Every year we draft two or three guys where um, we met with them in the lead up, and they you know played in the Senior Bowl, and they we were at their pro day. Just, if you're listening, Chargers fans, Keontae Ingram. I've just got a feeling we're going to draft this big, guy. Big here uh, Andy.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we do do that. That is a, 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 yeah, a thing we like to do. Um, look, um, I agree with you. I think we should be looking more f- for a complementary piece to Eckler. I'd like to think we hang on to him for another few years. Um, at least in this window while Herbert's on his rookie contract. Yeah, the guys for me, I think that mid round, mid to late round pickups, um, Hassan Haskins and Tyler Oljia were my guys. Um, yeah. But look, I I really like Damian Pierce as well. Um, I just think he might go a bit too early. Jack, anything from you on the
0: the backs? All I want to all I want to look for is is versatility and exactly the same way when you line up with Austin Eckler. Chances are he's running some kind of wheel route. Chances are he's running outside. He's not going to be busting up the gut. It's very, it it it, um, it shows what you're going to do. I want to see someone who can get up the bums of Lindsley, filer and Slater and just huh? bust through. Just bust up there. Um, not in the way that you probably just took that Alistair there, but I want to see someone that can actually just Punch Get through, in there and bust his punch ass. Some, punch some bums. <laughs> punch some bums. Uh, more so, run it into the opposition's teeth. I just want to see someone that just takes punishment. Bang, 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 baby. Yeah, that's and what I want. We
1: turf them after two years when they're completely broken, as, as you do. Mm. Yep. All right, interior defensive line time. Um, a glaring need in the uh, during the season and from the off season. Uh, so. Saley went out and got a couple of dudes or Telesco did Um, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson some big nose tackle fellas but the rest of our depth is Tillery, Brandon Fioco, Covington and Gaziano which sucks so like I said we are an injury away to one of the two new signings from being exactly where we were uh, before they Mm. entered the building Um, now it's it's not a sexy pick, taking a defensive tackle at um, 17. Oh, it's very sexy oh, to me, baby.
2: It's yeah. very if sexy If there's any me.
1: wrestling fans out there, if you remember Big Sexy, was it?
2: So that's pillow talk <laughs> for Jack. Big, <laughs> big Sexy Viscera. Big,
1: big Sexy Viscera. Give me some of that. I'm on the Davis train and yeah. I almost don't want to talk about anyone Ooh, else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um Look, there's complaint that he doesn't have the pass rush, but uh, when you're three hundred and forty pounds and six foot six, you there's not all that much stopping you. I think he'd be not necessarily a three down lineman, but um, yeah, a, a, an awesome piece. Uh, I'm a little less high on Devontae Wyatt. I'm not concerned mm. necessarily mm. with the off field stuff, but I just don't think his skill set is sort of what we're looking for, and his size. Um,
2: and what's what's your thinking on that, Andy? What's it What what's it about him you don't like as a prospect? Or, or what he offers, the type of lineman he is?
1: Um, look, I just think I prefer Jordan Davis. And uh, yep. there's not really too much about necessarily, like specifically about Devontae White that I, I hate. But I just, uh, I think you, it's a reach at 17 and you don't have a second round pick. You're not really, yeah, I just don't know. Yes feel he's there I'm, you've got
2: eyes for one yeah. only you've fallen in, lo- you're falling in love you've
1: fallen in love um i don't mind travis oh. jones if you could get him in the fourth yeah. but yeah look i mean i think there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of deficiencies in later round guys and um i think the worth's there it's a big need so hit it hard jack you love the trenches please far away with anything that you're thinking
0: i do yeah, same thing when you're taking the defensive linemen later in the rounds. Like the offensive linemen, they take a while to develop. Uh, you know, we saw that with Justin Jones. There was a steady increase in his output, and arguably last season when he was his best. Um, I will go back and completely contradict myself on what I said earlier about power versus technique. Sometimes there are players that come along. That you just go, I want that. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Davis is one of those. I want him. A physical freak. Yes, he's probably used a lot of his power and he's probably stronger than all of his opposition that he was playing against in college. But I was a huge Vita Vea fan when he yeah. came out um, and was drafted by the Bucs. I love them big boys. Aaron Donald is my favorite player in the league. Aaron Donald's slightly different kettle of fish to a, to a Jordan Davis. But these guys are unicorns, 6'6", 340, 350, 360 pounds. Um, He probably will need to get a little harder in the gym in terms with his body. Is he a win now? Possibly not. But sitting behind your SJD and your Johnson... Jeez, that's a, and I tell you what, if there's a five-man defensive front with Jordan Davis sitting in the middle, mm. ooh, mama, mm. that mm. gets me excited. That stop gets me it, very, very excited. Stop yeah. it,
2: yeah. I I, uh, I have the same. I share the same love for the big man out of Georgia, um, and I think it will be interesting again. A bit like I'm keen to see what kind of profile Staley's looking for at the linebacker position. With the interior defensive lineman, are we looking for space eaters? two-gap guys who can play either gap and a half or two-gap, or are we looking for penetrators? And if we want the penetrator type, you've got your Fedarian Mathises and uh, Logan Hall out of Houston, these gap shooters, or are we looking for a guy who's going to sit there and clog the space, like your Travis Jones, who maybe have limited pass rush upside, a bit like Jordan Davis as well. Fascinated to see it. Um, can we almost go to my mock draft? Because I you know, can barely contain myself here. Yeah,
1: well, without any let's further ado.
2: Go. Let's go. Oh, Jack hit uh. the music!
0: Never ever put on a jockstrap. He's never been a coach. He's
2: never been a scout. He's never been an administrator. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. That's me, the draft expert who doesn't watch college football. <laughs> Alistair Lloyd, I'm here to bring to you my first and only mock draft of the 2022 NFL draft. And so you understand my process. Here's what I do. I listen to all my NFL insider sources and all my little birdies and all of the front offices and the GMs. No, scratch that. I don't know shit. I'm a guy sitting at home wearing my underpants, watching what other people are writing on PFF. But I do, I, I do consume a pathological amount of uh, NFL content, um, podcasts, written form, videos. So I have spent a lot of time thinking about this. This is your chance to tell me I don't know anything in the comments and what you might disagree about. But my process for this is this is not who I would take. This is a predictive mock draft. So this is what I think is going to happen. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see my um, PowerPoint skills on display as you get some uh, video footage to accompany the audio. So I'm going to go from pick one to pick 32. It's a full first round mock draft. Jack, Andy, jump in at any time you want and tell me what you think about these picks. Let's kick it off with the first overall pick. And with the first overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Evan Neal, offensive tackle, out of Alabama. This is an about-face. A lot of people at this point of the draft process are saying it's either Aiden Hutchinson or it's even Trayvon Walker. And I know that Trent Balky's drafted a lot of defensive guys in his history, but I just can't get over the fact that you had this guy, Trevor Lawrence, who you took last year and you maybe gave him the worst situation any franchise QB has ever had with Urban Meyer. I'll stop right there, Jack. Give me two words or one word to describe Urban Meyer. Loser. Right. So I I, I don't know. At the start of this process, Evan Neal was, he's just this amazing ball of talent and potential. So I'm going to say that the first surprise happens right there at pick number one. There's been some little talk about maybe failing medicals and stuff like that, but let's just assume he's fine. If he's healthy, I'm going to say Evan Neal is pick number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's become a forgotten man, but he's going to be the stalwart left tackle for Trevor Lawrence for years to come. Next,
0: yeah, Protect protect your QB. Just do anything you can to make sure Trevor Lawrence doesn't walk out of the building in three years'
2: time. Yes. Yes, protect the Easter Island statue at all times. <laughs> With pick two overall, the Detroit Lions select Aiden Hutchinson, Edge, Michigan. And this is the dream scenario for Dan Campbell. He gets his kneecap biter, um, six foot seven inch, uh, had 14 sacks at college uh, for the Wolverines, and a 94.5 PFF grade. I think they'll run the card in if this happens. So I say Detroit Lions have Aiden Hutchinson being selected with pick two. And then at pick three overall, I have the Houston Texans selecting. Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher out of Georgia, Uh, a divisive type of uh, prospect, this guy, because it seems to be almost exclusively an athletic projection. And I should acknowledge his athletic projection is absolutely incredible. What he just did at the combine had GMs and people watching salivating. And Georgia notoriously runs this scheme that really doesn't give the edge rushers a chance to shine. So a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, he wasn't asked to do that. He wasn't asked to rush the pass in a traditional sense and he's really good against the run. So I have Houston picking this guy in a move that reminds me a little bit of the Raiders uh, uh, when they took Cleveland Ferrell back in 2019 where they look for a culture setter who, and I think that's important in Houston because the team might not be very good for a little while, while you need these guys who love it and I think that's just what Trayvon Walker is. Trayvon Walker, the third overall pick for the Houston Texans. And then at four, the New York Jets select Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon. Does he love football? Uh, Does he like Bitcoin? Who knows? But he's very talented and he's very bendy over the edge. And you know with Robert Sulla, he likes these athletic pass rushers. They need help at a lot of different positions, but I have a feeling that if Kayvon Thibodeau was to fall to them, which he does in my d- mock draft, Sulla would be banging down the table in the war room, and I wouldn't want to say no to Robert Sulla if he's looking at me in the face with those big eyes and his muscles. So I have Kayvon Thibodeau going to New York with pick four overall, and then rounding out the top five with the fifth overall pick. I have the New York Giants selecting Iki Aquanu. The offensive tackle out of NC State and this to me is one of those ones where it could be a potential trade down spot because you might have a team wanting to come up ahead of the Panthers who selected six to take a quarterback but a look at the Giants you see a new GM head coach combo Brian Dables got in there a bit like what I just said about Trevor Lawrence they need to protect their young quarterback and they've got too many needs, in my opinion, to be trading down. They need to upgrade that offensive line, and they do it with big icky Ikemaquano out of NC State. I'll throw it to you for any comments. Jack?
0: The only thing I'd say with Equano is that has Dayball walked as the building and very quickly made the judgment that Mr. Jones is not the guy, Mm. which means that they might be looking at shoring up other positions. (laughs) They don't care about him, yeah. Yeah, see you later. That's it. I'm the quarterback whisperer. I'm the bald bearded quarterback whisperer, says Dayball and Daniel Jones. I'm going to see you out of the building. Um, the other one I think you touched on it with is Cleveland Farrell, the Trayvon Walker. Who knows what he could be? He could be anything. So that's about it. Uh, Andy, yeah, I really
1: you? like the first pick. Evan Neal, I think, it's a great selection to protect um, Trevor Lawrence. Um, as far as any of the other surprises go, well, Nothing really shocked me there. Um couple you know, I, I think Aiden Hutchinson staying in Michigan's gonna be awesome for um for what Dan Campbell wants. And I, I like all the picks so far, man. I'm yeah, I'm about them. There's, they're very similar to things that I do as well. So fine. Good.
2: Away. I like the feedback. Let's keep it going. Tell me I'm an idiot in the comments. All right, pick six overall, and this is a big one and a controversial one. I think the Carolina Panthers select Kenny Pickett's quarterback out of pittsburgh uh and it's really a debacle in 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 carolina they don't pick again after pick six until the fourth round but they don't have a quarterback so might they trade down yes but kenny
0: baker mayfield baker mayfield alert
2: maybe a few weeks ago they were saying mutual (laughs) disinterest but that that Tune has changed in the last couple of weeks, so who knows? I'm just glad the trade didn't happen before this mock draft, so I didn't need to change around my picks. <laughs> so, Kenny Pickett to the Carolina Panthers, and just for the listeners, what's what's the link? Matt Rule recruited him at Temple before he transferred to Pittsburgh, and the Panthers owner, David Tepper. He's an alum of uh, Pittsburgh University. So I, th- I think not a strong Q- QB class necessarily, or so they say, but maybe this is the guy, old Kenny Two Gloves. Pick seven. New York Giants select, oh, I'm not even going to spend time on this. He's too good. Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, what more could you ask for? Long, lean, physical slam dunk pick for the New York Giants at pick number seven. And then my last pick before I throw to you two is a trade. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have jumped up and they've traded picks 20, 52 and a 2023 third round pick to the Atlanta Falcons in exchange for their pick number eight. And they go and select Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. So I have two QBs going in the top eight of my mock draft. Jack, what do you reckon?
0: Um, the I don't like seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers come up there because I'm hoping that Malik Willis is still on the board at 17 yeah. and we can get the 20 and yeah, 52. Yeah, um, but I like that. I mean, I will blow my own trumpet here and say that a very, very long time ago, and I'm talking six to eight weeks. I looked at Source Gardner and I put it in our group chat and I said, this guy actually looks pretty good. He's long. He's lean. He has everything that could be in that cornerback. And we were very, very, we were two months away from the draft and we kind of went, yeah, read that, but I love it that you've put him in the top 10 because he's one of my favorites because of his nickname, and other things of sauce. <laughs>
2: yeah, I actually Andy, don't remember do you, you saying that at any time, Jack. Andy, do you remember Jack saying that in the group? I reckon he's uh, claiming something, yeah, claiming uh, it the no, the made. I, ca- I will find that and I will share it <laughs> on Twitter.
1: We <laughs> I mean, look yeah. forward to it. Uh, I think the, um, obviously, the connection between Kenny Pickett and Matt Rule is there. I think that's probably pending uh, someone jumping ahead of six. Uh, I think it's probably the safest call to say that he'll be the first quarterback off the board and going there. Um I think earlier what I didn't touch on was the the run of edge rushes going in your top five mm. really pushed mm. out it, stuff like that when it happens it, it in the moment it, it freaks GMs out and they they go oh we got oh he's gone well we got to take him so no one else you know so yep. that's probably why you might see um, Source Gardener fall out of the top five um, I think there's teams up mm. there that need him but you know place like uh, Houston need players everywhere so. Yeah, understand that um these top five prospects fall out uh he's a great pick that's a slam dunk no doubt uh like jack said i think pittsburgh trading up to there i'd really really like to have malik willis available at 17 so they could jump in front of the um the saints i think at 19 um and take him but look yeah there's the connection between mike tomlin and malik willis i haven't really read too much into it but i hear it's cute so all the best to him <laughs>
2: All right, moving on. Going to slam through a few picks now. Pick number nine, the Seattle Seahawks selecting Charles Cross, offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Uh, Their current starters are Greg Eland and Jake Curran at offensive tackle, so that will not do. They take Charles Cross from Mississippi State. With pick 10 overall, the New York Jets select Drake London, wide receiver out of USC, big target for Zach Wilson. He needs some help. The Jets were interested in Tyreek Hill, so that you know they've got a thirst for some wide receiver help, and I think he's a good fit for that scheme. Pick number 11, the Washington Commanders, maybe slightly left field. They take Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State, I really like Garrett Wilson of what I've seen it, it just looks like he has an, a really nice blend of all the skills you want in a wide receiver, he has a bit of everything and I think he'll hit the ground running Ron Rivera could be tempted to take a defensive player here with the way the board has fallen out but look, they've made their bed and they're lying in it with Carson Wentz, you've got to give him a chance to succeed, give him a weapon to compliment Terry McLaurin and I think Garrett Wilson is that guy Pick 12, the Minnesota Vikings. Damn, we've lost him off our board, Chargers fans. It's Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. Uh, I just think it's a good... It fits what they want to do there in Minnesota. So I like the the, the matchup, the matching up of minds there. I think it'll be a good scheme fit for their new staff. Uh, and who better to learn from them? Patrick Peterson, who is also a former LSU Tiger. Ooh. With pick 13 overall, the Houston Texans select Kyle Hamilton safety, Notre Dame. And again, the reasoning is quite similar to my reasoning for Trayvon Walker, who I had them taking at pick three. You've got another playmaker who's high character and you can just build the team around. And I think he's not gonna cause much trouble if the team sucks for a year or two. I think he's a good fit for Lovey Smith and he's the type of guy, again, you wanna be building your franchise around. And then for pick 14, I have the Baltimore Ravens selecting Jermaine Johnson edge rusher out of Florida State. Ravens like pass rushers and Ravens like interior defensive linemen. I could see this going in a number of directions here. I think they would have loved David Ajabo. If he feels healthy because their new DC used to coach him in Michigan. But I think this is a good scheme fit. Jermaine Johnson has what they want on the edge. He plays the run well. He's aggressive and I I think he'd be a good pickup with pick 14 overall. What do we think about that group of selections, Jack?
0: I I really like the Jermaine Johnson, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I think that's a great pick. They always they seem to be a defensive lineman, sort of you know linebacker who rushes the passer really well. Factory. It's annoying because I'm not a huge fan of Baltimore. Mm. I'm really upset that both two of my favorite players behind Jordan Davis um, in this draft, the Stingley and the Hamilton. I really really like Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I think he'd be a great as I'm all about scheme versatility and and um, and not being able to show your looks or not being able to read your looks, I should say. So I'd love to see Kyle Hamilton and DJ play opposite one another. Uh, London's a good one, I think. Uh, who's the quarterback at um, Wilson. Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson. He throws a lovely. Um, a pretty spiral down the field mm. so any any another weapon for him would be great what say uh, you Andy yeah
1: I definitely think that Zach Wilson needs a little bit more um, in his wide receiver group it's not shabby but he just needs a polished polished receiver like Drake London I was surprised that you've taken a wide receiver um, at 11 um, mm. although look I can't discredit because I think Garrett Wilson definitely does have it and he's um, he's my second favourite wide receiver in this class um, but <clears throat> Look, you know, you, I don't think you can go wrong there. Um, similar to Jack, I'm a big fan of both Kyle Hamilton and Derek Stingley, so I think they're going to be massive players in years to come, um, and you can't miss on either of those guys. Uh, Great. Right? Jermaine Johnson, yeah, another typical Baltimore player, and I'm like you, Jack, I don't really like the Ravens, so I don't yeah, want to think too positively about that pick. So fire away with 15, all right, mate.
2: well. Well, if you don't like that pick, I don't think either of you will like this one because we've got another trade. Jack, hit the music. And with the 15th overall pick, the Kansas City Chiefs come up and trade picks 29, 50, and 121 to the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for pick 15. They select Jameson Williams, wide receiver, out of Alabama. Jack, how does that make you feel?
0: A bit sick, actually. Uh, really, really sick. Fuck the Chiefs. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I shouldn't swear either. Apologies for those younger listeners. Uh, that <laughs> worries me. Tyreek Tyreek Hill leaves the division, and in comes uh another another gun for Mahomes to throw to. Yeah, makes me feel sick. That's all I can say, and I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, Rob, yeah. Uh, this is
1: Jamison Williams is my favorite wide receiver in the draft, so this would make this is a rage quit. This is a rage quit. Uh, hide all. Internet yeah. issues quit. Yeah. But no, I'm done. That's, i done. i got to go. I can't yeah. watch this unfold without throwing some kind of projectile through my TV screen and ending all the fun for all. So move All right. On. I'll end your
2: pain then. I'll move it right along with pick 16 yeah. and overall, the New Orleans Saints select Trevor yes. Penning. Offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. I, for one, am happy about this one. It means he's not on the board when we select next. Chargers fans, it's the moment you're waiting for. Pick 17 overall, the Los Angeles Chargers. They select, you're going to have to wait a bit longer. It's another trade. And this time it's the Green Bay Packers who trade their picks 22 and 53, enabling the Chargers to get back into the second round to make up for the pick they lost for Khalil Mack. And we also have to give them a 2023 third round pick in exchange, which we're hoping will be a late third round pick, of course. And the Green Bay Packers come up to us at pick 17, and they select Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Green Bay fans, I know you're listening. Dan, especially. How long have you been waiting for a first-round wide receiver? Well, it costs you a bit to come up and get him, but you get a guy that Aaron Rodgers can just build a connection with from day dot, and he's one of the most pro-ready receivers out there. Pick 18, the Philadelphia Eagles select Devontae Wyatt. Defensive tackle out of Georgia. This is a future Fletcher Cox replacement, a guy who can come in and penetrate the line, and I know Howie Roseman loves his defensive linemen. Pick 19 overall, and we have another quarterback. This time it's New Orleans selecting Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. Uh, I thought hard about this one. I just couldn't see the Saints trading next year's first rounder with Philly, without coming out of this first round with at least one quarterback over their first two picks. So they've gone Trevor Penning to replace Teron Armstead with pick 16, and now they go Desmond Ritter, um, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, with pick 19 overall. And his stock has been rising in the last few weeks. Moving on into the 20s, and with the 20th overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this guy. Um, all the rumors about does you know he's attitude and a, a, a bit overweight and sluggish testing time. What what is his kind of love and thirst for the game? But if you watch the film or watch the highlights more accurately, what I've been doing, if you can get the ball in his hands, he's a yak monster and he can do all sorts of crazy stuff after the catch. Anyone who's looked at the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver room will know that they have nobody there at the moment. So that. Hopefully, Falcons fans would be happy with that. They were in pick eight. Instead, they trade back and they collect some capital and still end up with one of the most highly regarded wide receivers in the class. A couple more before we take another break and throw to the two of you. At pick 21 overall, I have the New England Patriots selecting one of my guys, Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington. If he's not a Chargers guy, this is a Belichick guy, right? Super Belichick guy. Yeah. Super cerebral. Do a bit of everything. Loves it. Great player. Great locker room guy. I reckon the Patriots will have their eye on him. They need a corner after JC Jackson left in free agency. And now I'm not gonna tease you anymore, Chargers fan. This is the pick. The Los Angeles Chargers with pick number twenty two overall. They take Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Jack, how do you feel about it if we manage to get back into the second round and we select Jordan Davis?
0: This is how I feel. It's the first time I'm watching Jurassic Park. We have yet to see a dinosaur other than the wide shot with Sam Neill when they first get to the Jurassic Park. We're sitting in the car. We're waiting. We're waiting. It's dark. It's raining. And then all of a sudden you hear a footstep. Boom. And you see the glass of water ripple with each footprint. Boom, boom, boom. The big T-Rex is coming, baby. I like it. I absolutely love it. I want to see the celebration when he eats Mahomes, when he eats any of the stacked AFC quarterbacks, especially Russell Wilson. I like it. Uh, I'd be very, very excited. I'd be almost going and buying a Jordan Davis jersey from Day Dot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mother, for the rabbits. Uh, Andy, what say you?
1: I think you've summed it up brilliantly, especially especially finishing it off with "Thank (laughs) you, Mother, for the rabbits." That's that's
2: yes, quintessential (laughs) Aussie slang.
1: Um, Yeah, mate. To trade back, get a second round pick at fifty three, and still manage to land Jordan Davis. I'm on board. There's not much else I can say. This is just this is just a really fun. This would be a really fun fun pick. Yes. Um, especially with Jameis yes. Williams off the board already. Um, yeah, I'm all about it.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, that's I know that's what you all came for, so I'll race through these last 10 picks of the first round. Pick 23, I have the Arizona Cardinals selecting Zion Johnson, offensive guard out of Boston College. Another guy I'd like if we took mm-hmm. him, to be honest. Pick 24 overall, another lineman. Dallas Cowboys select Kenyon Green offensive guard out of texas a&m he has position versatility along the line and i think if they want to maintain that reputation as being uh, strong up front they need to keep on investing in the line and the cowboys select a guy who played college just up the road for texas a&m uh, and keeps keeps Daxs ankle on the correct way as yes well, well said Pick 25 overall. This is a luxury pick. Basically, the Bills can do whatever they want. They select Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback out of Clemson. I think he'll be a good scheme fit with all the cover cover two and quarters coverage that McDermott likes to run. And they, they have a void there uh, at the cornerback two slot. So, Andrew Booth from Clemson to the Buffalo Bills. Pick 26, the Tennessee Titans select George Karloftis, edge out of Purdue. The Greek Freak. Uh, I think that's the right call for them. They could continue to improve that group, and I just see Mike Vrabel really liking this guy's want to, as you like to say in the States. Karloftis is a nice fit for them, if I don't say so myself. A
0: big big fall from grace for Karloftis because he was meant to be top five.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to think about him. I think he had does, there's a lot of variability with where he could go. He could go as early as 10 and I think he could go as late as somewhere around this, this point of the draft.
0: And I think that, I think that's value. I think that's big value there as well.
2: Big time. And they got big time value on like a Jeffrey Simmons in the past. So Titans fans will be hoping a late round pick and reap benefits for them. With picks 27 overall, another luxury pick, right? The Bucks can do whatever they want. So here they decide to get ahead of a need and they select Kair Ilum, the cornerback out of Florida. Todd Bowles is a DB guy. That's what he's done his entire career. So before you've got some of those guys hitting free agency, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunting. They decide to stock up and they take Kair Ilum out of Florida, a big, long cornerback with press man ability. Pick 28 overall, and the second pick for the Packers, they select Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia. Yeah. like him. Me too. Just another weapon that they can use on the defense to kind of help to their um, help their secondary, which already has some good names, but again, they get ahead of the need. They like Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, but this adds another bloke to that room in case they lose one of them in the next year or so. Really like Lewis Seen as a prospect. And then the final four picks of the first round, and my first and only mock draft, At 29, the Philadelphia Eagles select Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State. I'm not so high on him. I think he's got a lot of boom bust about him, but he's tall and he'll complement that room in Philadelphia. With pick 30, this is another one that would make me sick. The Chiefs select David Ojabo, edge rusher out of Michigan. This is a guy who had he not done his Achilles, is probably going anywhere from 10 to 15. The Chiefs can play patient, the patient game if they want and they just take the best player available and hope he recovers from his Achilles. They need to get better with the pass rush. David Ojabo is a very likeable candidate for that. And then the final two picks of this draft. We have one final trade. And it's the Seattle Seahawks jumping back into the bottom of the first. They trade their picks 41 and 72 to the Cincinnati Bengals. And they select Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. I have to say there could be a link here. Pete Carroll, he knows Lane Kiffin and Lane Kiffin's dad really well. Lane Kiffin being the coach at Ole Miss. So I've got a feeling that Corral might be on his radar. And this end of the first round selection allows you the benefit of the fifth year option. Gives you more time to work with him because I don't think he's ready yet just because of the type of offense that Ole Miss ran. And then finally, so I can take a bit of a break speaking into the mic, with Ooh, pick 32. Yeah. The Detroit Lions select Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Dan Campbell guy through and through. They have a serious need of the linebacker spot. Could be Nicobe Dean here. Or it could be a quarterback. They could do what I just had the Seahawks doing and decide that they want to find the next guy after Jared Goff. But um, I think Devin Lloyd is actually a really good p- prospect. And I think he's being underrated at this point. And if you could get him at 32, that certainly would get my seal of approval. So, guys, therein ends my mock draft. Uh, any comments on either those last selections or, or the draft as a whole?
0: Um the only thing Alistair I'll say I'll I'll take a I'll take a leaf out of Mr Mr. McCoy's. Well I think they've done a great book, job at this point.
2: He's done a great job.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You've done a great job. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much.
1: Uh, we touched on a lot of the
0: stuff uh, was it five
1: quarterbacks in the first round? Surprises me, but mm. it's um it's crazy just to see the landscape of things. Um probably the only one I might touch on is Green Bay I might go Petri over Lewis sign, but
2: okay, yep, I, I would as well to be honest.
1: Um, I think yeah, look, I mean you you mentioned their safeties are great with Amos and Darnell Savage. Um, Kevin King's got to go, so that would be a great replacement there. Um, but look, that's yeah, really good fun. Um, and like like the draft always is a bucket full of surprises. So let's mm. see. We'll we'll be we'll be sure to, to grade you and see how you go out of thirty two. Um, yeah, I'll get one or two out of 32 for sure better a kick in the shins mate and an extra 10 points if Troop. any of those trades are remotely right um, okay.
0: anything yeah. further gents?
2: not on do the we, draft do we run
0: through some uh, do we run through some some final some final picks or some final uh, some final ideas about what might sure. happen sure what yeah.
1: are, we, are
0: the charges going to stay at 17?
1: what do you think Jack?
0: no Oh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> no, uh, my, my so my dream, I've, I've written down here, my, my best case, we trade back, gain the second round pick, back. If we get Davis, that'd be amazing. If we get a Hamilton or a Stingley, that would be uber amazing. But, it's you know, is, are they going to be there at a 22? Probably not. Uh, no, trade back, please. Please, 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 trade back. Yeah,
1: I'm on.
2: Yep, you know, I feel the same. That's what I had happening in our mock draft. So I'm thinking trade back. It could be the first time. It's a new Telesco. It's a new Staley. Maybe you're listening, Tom. Trade back. Give it a shot. Try something new. It's a new year and it's a new opportunity for you.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm most certainly on board with that. Look, I don't, I don't, definitely don't hate the fact that we traded away a second round pick for Khalil, but I would like it back in one way or another. Um, is there one player you, throughout the draft, any round you definitely think we're going to pick up? Jack?
0: I'll, yeah. I'll take that one. Um, I will respond with this and it's a joke. What do you call a deer with no eyes? Mm. And that's a no idea. I'll leave it
2: at that. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's for all the, all the uh, adolescents listening. A nice, really clean joke from uh, Mr. Reed there, your teacher. Uh, I'll pull out a random one I think, voice, yeah. res- <laughs> <laughs> I think we are going to hit the wide i think we are going to hit the wide receiver room with speed and if we get to the third round and calvin austin the third out of memphis is still on the board i think that's the guy we'll take because i think we we value that deep threat and even though he's 5 foot 8 he just ran some incredible times at the combine at his pro day calvin austin out of memphis that's the guy I think there's a chance we'd take him if he's still there. Anyone that uh, you have your eye on, Andy?
1: Oh, look, <clears throat> anytime I speculate, I'm, I'm always... I say I'm always wrong because I just... I don't... I never know what the philosophy is. Um, so guys like... I'd love to to say that if Jordan Davis is there at 17, he's he's going to be our pick, but we could do all kinds of crazy things. Um, I don't... This is really about the guy that I, I think we'll, we'll take. Um... Keontae Ingram, I think the running back that you mm. brought up, uh, take a lot to the the work that we put in with guys at the Senior Bowl, going to their Pro Day. When we have all of our staff, it's the writings on the wall. Um, it ha- we, we do it a lot, so that's that's gonna be. What
2: about the what about the punt god?
1: Well, I don't. I just <laughs> look. I would love Materazzi, but I just don't. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I'm not going to say that it's um our a pick of ours. I don't think we'll go special like okay. special okay. Team specific. Okay. Uh, best case scenario, Jack, for 17. Let's say we stay at 17. What's your best case scenario pick?
2: Mm.
0: Hamilton, Ooh. Jordan Davis, Stingley. In, In that, that order?
1: Yeah.
0: No, that yep. order would be Stingley, yep. Hamilton,
2: Davis. Apologies. Al? i uh, I go Stingley. Charles Cross would be my second. If he falls there, I'm taking him. And then... Yeah, Jordan Davis would be my third. Hamilton's there too, but I think cross fits the position of need a tiny bit better.
1: I'm going to go Jordan Davis, Jamison Williams, Derek Stingley.
2: Oh, yeah. That's what I like. Uh,
1: Worst case scenario, we're staying at 17.
2: Mm.
0: My worst case is we trade up to take somebody just, just
1: regardless <laughs> of who it is if we trade up that's just shit shit the bed material that, it, yeah. if we
0: trade up i i, I think now breaker box or oh, he used to be called breaker box i don't know that, that what, what's it. his current yeah, name? yeah that's oh, it from yeah. the blue name yeah breaker box um he did a wonderful wonderful piece i'll give him a shout out i really enjoyed reading it he looked at all the values of trade backs and and what it means and what you can get from it um and he also and i think that that kind of ties the discussion we had earlier, trading up is not always the best way to go either. But I'm really worried that Telesco is going to get an itchy finger, itchy finger and and do something. But the worst case scenario for me is if we trade up and I don't care who it is. Yeah.
2: Lloyd. Worst case scenario for me is we trade up for Trevor Penning. I will not be happy if that happens. Uh, And if we stay put, uh, nothing personal against the prospect, but I think N'Kobe Dean is probably the worst thing we could do at 17 just because of the positional value and it would and the kind of lack of the ideal size for a linebacker. I think he could be good one day. He's very like heady and athletic. But the other reason I wouldn't like is it it would kind of throw me into consternation about what is this team doing all of a sudden? Like why have we let Kaiser walk? to then draft a first-round linebacker. I would just be so confused. And so far, I've really kind of understood everything Staley seemingly has done, whereas that will completely screw me. Yep. It'll screw my mind. Yep. I'll need therapy. Yeah, just... Curse will have to nurse me. stay
1: there and and I think reach for Nakobe Dean would be real yuck. Um, Trevor Penning, either or Trevor Penning, and a guy we haven't spoken about who flourished up the boards a couple of months ago, Bernard Raymond. Um, they're just oh. just not ver- oh is it Raymond? is that
2: Bernard Raymond? it's Raymond.
1: I said so oh, I'm gonna go okay, I'm, right. and I'm not trying to put on a accent
2: yeah so just showing some historical ignorance too he's Austrian of course not German and here I am throwing him under the bus um, yep.
1: yeah I yeah I just don't think it, that Charles Cross he'd probably be my fourth guy best case scenario at 17 but I just mm. don't see any value in the other tackles there's too much growing pains it's a big spot to be taking out. We hit a unicorn with Slater. I think it would be very short-sighted to think that we can do it again. So, yeah, either of those two are probably right. my big stinkies and I don't want to borrow them. right um, Righto, well, if, if that's all we've got, let's have a really fun 48-72 hours leading up to the draft. Everyone be safe and have fun. Um, thanks again for joining us today. We'll be back in about a week's time to go through all the guys that are now charges. So, um you can find me on twitter at tdu underscore andy jack uh
0: you can find me on twitter at tdu underscore jack or you can find me on the
2: youtube i'm the one who
0: is commenting
2: and alistair at tdu underscore alistair or you can get any of us at at tdu underscore charges or come onto the bolts from the blue website and read some of the excellent work people are doing there i'm good. my um Mock Draft is there in a published written form. I'm going to put it in the comments and in the link below. Give it a read and all the other great work. And like Andy said at the top of the show, all of you listeners are awesome. It is so sustaining to us to to see that people are listening to our content and leaving comments and passing on feedback. It really means a lot to us. So thanks so, so much.
1: I mirror those words. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next time on The Thunder Down Under.
0: See you guys. Well done. Thank you all. Rivers back, pedal's looking, firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, ten, five, high step, touchdown! Good NIGHT YOU ALL!